Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of SIDcast. I'm your host, David Gibson. Uh, with me today is Marlene DeVore of College of Tar Charleston. Before we get there, I got some housekeeping stuff that I have to say. Um, first of all, thank you all for downloading, subscribing, rate and review if you got the time. And it only takes a couple seconds, but I know every podcast says it, but uh, kind of important. Um, so if you could take the time to give me either a five, a one, or anything in between, perfect. Doesn't bother me one bit. So, um, also, you can always follow us on Facebook and like on Twitter, uh, backslash Sports Infocast. So, we have all that. Marlene, thank you for coming on. How's your day going? Oh, it's been great. Uh, it's a nice 80 degrees down here in Charleston, South Carolina. So, um, you know, a great spot to be an SID and living in a city like this. Uh, you guys had to, we had to push this interview back. I know we were going to do it a couple weeks ago, but you were hosting the CAA tournament and then... You guys got selected to uh, participate in the NIT. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, we uh, are hosting the uh, Colonial Athletic Association men's basketball tournament the next three years, and uh, we made the NIT and uh, was just out at Colorado State last week and back in Charleston. Uh, but we had a great year, 25-10 and 10 overall. Um, things are looking up for the Cougars here. Um, well, for those of you, for those that don't know, but what's it like putting on a tournament of that scale with with that much on the line? Because you guys were in the uh, were in the uh, conference finals, weren't you? Correct. Um, the championship game uh, it was the first time we've uh, been members of the Colonial the last um, four years, and uh, this was the first year to host it in Charleston. And actually, it's more of uh, the conference office handles most everything with the conference championship. It's just harder when. You're, are kind of the host school and your team is in the tournament. Um, so it was kind of a, a difficult task to kind of manage while you're still trying to promote your team and you make the finals. You're also trying to help out the conference office and all the other SIDs and staff um, while they're here and, and being a good host and, and getting everything that they need um, as well. But, um, you know, we're excited to have the tournament here um, for the next two years after this. And it's actually hosted in North Charleston. Um, Coliseum here, um, so I think I hope uh, the fans had a great time and and the SIDs and the teams uh, enjoyed their time while they were here. Did you fill out a March Madness bracket? I did not. I actually, I honestly don't do one every year, and I'll tell you why. Um, my first job out of college was working at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Um, so we're very strict there uh, as far as compliance rules, and uh, obviously from the past there. Um, why things were strict um, in Las Vegas, that I, I kind of was scared to ever fill out a bracket after <laughs> um, our compliance director put it in our minds, you know, don't bet on it. So I really don't even do one for fun with the family, uh -huh. uh, just because I'd rather just not, um, you know, get in trouble or have any proof that I, you know, picked any teams. But, you know, in my mind, I have the teams that, you know, I am rooting for um, in March Madness. Was that... Uh Gosh, was that during Tark? Was Tark still there? No, I wasn't there. <laughs> no, thank goodness I wasn't actually there. I was still in college. Or oh, okay. I was in middle school back in the 1990s when uh, they made their run, the Running Rebels. But uh, it was uh, still after the fact of uh, in the 2000s is when I worked there. And uh, But, you know, since then, uh, you know, that obviously the NCAA is going to crack down on a school like that um, and keep watching them. Yeah. Um, thereafter so 
like I said, I'm glad it was my first experience as a full-time job of knowing the compliance rules early um, on in my career to make me, you know, know the rules and, and be sure not to break them. Well, I apologize. I meant that it was uh, because of Tark that they were so cracking down is what I meant. I've actually, I've been reading a book about it, actually, on Tark. Really? Uh, uh, it's a called indentured it's about student athletes no it's not the running rebel there's a chapter in it about tark's little pursuit against the ncaa and then there's a couple of bits and pieces in there about his uh uh lawsuits against nevada las vegas and and yeah so i don't know uh, you know and i won't say anything bad about my former employer but it actually is a great school yeah um you know, I, I, people ask me all the time, how could you have lived in Las Vegas? And I, I really tell them, I mean, you can have a normal life. I mean, we work in athletics, so we hardly have time outside of work to do much of anything. So I led a normal life for two years while I was there. Um, it's just the only thing was that town was suited to my schedule just because we get out of the office late because we work late hours. And, hey, I could still go to the mall. And, hey, I could still go get something to eat. Um you know, late at night, nothing was closed. So that was always the best thing about Las Vegas. It hmm. never sleeps. And so, um, you know, you could always shop and eat. Yeah. Well, how about we go all the way back to the beginning? What, you went to Washington State. What right. made you want to get into sports information? You know, and I, I've said this before in, in different um, you know, articles and interviews, I never expected to be in the profession Um I went to school to be a sports writer, and, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to stay in state. I couldn't go out of state um, to another school, but um, at the time, Washington State was the only school of the two uh, big state schools that had their communication program still going. Washington had just dropped it uh, my senior year of high school, so, you know, all, all the students there at Washington actually transferred over to Washington State um, because the communication program was ended. It's back there now at Washington. Um, but uh, so that's kind of how I ended up at Washington State because they had the comm program uh, very well known in the top 10 there uh, for their program. And, you know, my first semester, I got involved with the student newspaper early and um, started writing about club sports and, you know, tried to um, go with, with the sports editor to football games to kind of see how everything um you know, went of covering a big sport, and uh, really, just a couple of months into me working for the student newspaper, the sports information office had kind of recruited me and asked me, hey, would you be interested in coming to work in our office? And I'm like, you know, I, I'm i not so sure. You know, I enjoy um, writing for the school newspaper. I was doing um, opinion columns and writing news stories as well. Um, I just wasn't sure that the PR thing was going to be what I wanted to do in the future. And um, basically, I started my second semester there, um, went full-time with the SID office, and that's kind of what led to a career 20 years later, was getting recruited um, out, you know, into their office there from the student newspaper. And then after that, you kind of volunteered at UTEP and you were the intern at UConn. How'd you get those positions? Yeah, the UTEP thing is funny. Uh, people always think that's a random story. Um, my father was in the military. Uh, he was in the Army for 40-something years and we moved around my whole life. 
And uh, in the middle of my uh, sophomore or junior year at Washington State, um, he got restationed down in Texas in El Paso, the Army base there. Um, so they actually were hoping that I would transfer to UTEP <laughs> from Washington State. And I'm like, no, I don't, you know, nothing against UTEP, but I, you know, I loved where I was going to school. I loved uh, that, you know, Washington State was in the Pac-10. Football was really good at the time when I was in school um, that I didn't really want to transfer. So I would go home in the summers if I didn't go to summer school. And obviously I was bored there that I reached out to the SIDs, like, hey, I'm a student SID at Washington State. I'd love to uh, come and help in the summer months while I'm home because I you know, don't want to stay home the whole time and, and keep busy. And so I spent the summer with them on, you know, updating media guides and is more of all their fall sports of what they needed help with. And um, it was a good experience of, you know, getting to know those folks there at UTEP. Um, they had summer events going on. I think one of my favorite moments probably in my sports career um, was that summer working for UTEP and um, they had a, a boxing bout going on in the Sun Bowl that summer. And I think it was right after the Cowboys had a scrimmage or something like that as well mm -hmm. um, that I got to work the, uh, the fight. And it was um, Oscar De La Hoya against uh, a guy that was French. Um, I don't know why I can't remember his name, but, um, you know, that was awesome because I never thought I'd like boxing at all. And yeah. it was really exciting to be on ringside and seeing what goes on. You know, when I lived in Vegas, I actually never went to a fight, even though there was always one there. Um, but uh, it was nice to be ringside and seeing what their PR people did, um, all the event management that goes into it, all the people that get into the fight. Um, it didn't last long uh, because they were, I don't know how many, you know, maybe it was one round. I can't, I can't remember, but um, I got to sit, sit next to Michael Buffer and his then wife. And it was kind of cool. Um, so sit next to the Let's Get Ready to Rumble guy. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of one memory that I, an event that I never thought I'd ever uh, be a part of because boxing was never in, in, you know, a sport that I, like, watched or or covered. Um, mm -hmm. And it was exciting to really appreciate the sport and, and everything that goes on, on with it. So that summer was great um, to get more experience. And then as far as UConn, um, I had applied to, I don't know, 10, 10 dream schools probably to where I would have loved to work after school was done. And UConn was one of them. Um, Kansas, Stanford, Duke, uh, Michigan State, I think. And, yeah. uh, all those that you can imagine because I, you know, at Washington State, we weren't really good in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, it was after actually Kelvin Sampson had just left when I came to school. So, uh, basketball was good uh, up until he left, I think, to go to Oklahoma um, after Washington State. So we kind of weren't good at the time in a really good conference of Pac-10 basketball uh, there. Um, that uh, football, obviously, was our biggest sport at the time, and it was exciting. Uh, I actually went to school with Ryan Leaf. Yeah, oh. uh, only a year older than me. Mm. And so <laughs> <laughs> he was a comm major, too, so he was in some of my classes well and uh so it was neat to be around in that time uh, for football but you know for me i always loved basketball and uh wanted to be a be at a school where basketball was you know the biggest thing right more than football and so that's kind of when i applied for all these different schools 
know, obviously of all the names that I gave you, they're known for their basketball program. And luckily, um, UConn gave me a call back. Uh, I found out in January um, that, you know, to come on to be an intern for the next year. And I was, I was actually happy it happened in early in January that I didn't have to figure it out at the end of the school year. Where am I going to go um, after I graduate? So I think I applied in November or December for their internship, heard back in January. Uh, and then it, I was excited that um, to move across the country <laughs> <laughs> to Connecticut from Washington. Yeah, what was, was that kind of, was there any sort of like culture? Type, what, what's the big cultural difference when, when moving literally from uh, one corner to the other? You know, my parents, uh, they were like, you're moving to Connecticut? I'm like, there's no way I can't. Like, yeah. that's just a great opportunity, you know? And they're like, that's just halfway across. Like, how are you going to get there? Um, you know, it's just, my mom and I actually flew out, uh, and she dropped me off, I guess, there. And, uh. She was like, are you sure you want to be here? Because <laughs> North Connecticut is a very small town. It actually is smaller than Pullman, Washington, where I went to school. Um, so, you know, when you, if you've ever been to Stores, Connecticut, there's a highway that goes off the highway to Stores, and then you're greeted by, um, I guess, cows. Because <laughs> it's kind of an agricultural school, too, and they have their own, uh, like, they have their own ice cream dairy barn, actually, for people to eat ice cream <laughs> but that's kind of the entrance of the university of connecticut you go uh -huh. in and there's like these fences and there's cows grazing or whatever and and then you get to gamble pavilion where the arena is and uh i just i guess it, i had never visited it before i went there and uh my mom's like are you sure you want to live here i'm like of course so i was like i went to school for four years in the middle of nowhere um, this is going to be fine because it actually is only an hour and a half from Hartford, an hour and a half or two from Boston, close to New York. So, I mean, it's not like it's isolated. Um, but that's kind of, you know, all the places I've actually been, I never really went to go see them before. I didn't go to see Pullman, Washington before I enrolled at school at Washington State. Yeah, I didn't do that here. <laughs> I, I, didn't. I, I just... I went on a whim on a postcard in the mail that I got in the mail. Like, okay, this place looks cool. I'm going to go to school there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't do that here with, with Southern Indiana. I've only been to Evansville once, and I barely remember it because we stopped by on the way to St. Louis. So, oh, gosh. Th is there any benefit in doing that? I mean... Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. For me, I've always been able to adjust because as a military brat, I moved around my whole life that I had to adapt wherever my dad was stationed. So I guess that's why I was always used to just believing it was all going to work out wherever I moved, um, just because I had to growing up the whole time. Right. To okay. adjust, to adapt to, you know, different climates, different people. Um, oh, shoot. So, yeah, that's, I think uh, it helped me. I think that's the reason why it helped me to be able to move to all the schools that I've been to, just because I was used to um, that at growing up as a child. So... You get done with UConn, and and you're looking for uh, what well, was it? First of all, was it a year long position? Yeah, it was eleven month uh, okay. internship. All right. Um. So yeah, you when when you're finished with that, you're looking for yet another job. What were were you still looking for that basketball school, or were you just you know applying anywhere and everywhere at that point? I um actually was applying everywhere. I had an opportunity to stay there. Um. 
they were going to have me stay and work in the development office and go to grad school uh, at UConn. And so I had gone through the process of trying to get into grad school. It didn't work out. Um, the professor actually wouldn't let me in school. <laughs> um, I honestly did not have the grades, I guess, um, at Washington State. Um, I would have had to take some provisional courses to qualify into grad school there, uh, even despite recommendations that I had. Um, and so that's kind of why that never worked out. But they were willing, you know, they really wanted me to stay there. Sometimes I think back on that of, ooh, what would have happened had I stayed? Would I have worked in development the whole time? Or mm-hmm. what would I have done, um, you know, if it did, if it had worked out? But um, I ended up going to the Cusada Convention in San Diego that year. Um, I had a couple phone interviews. Um, it didn't pan out um, from, you know, UConn of with the schools I had applied for. So I went to convention, met with Lawrence Spann at the Job Seekers Fair. Um, and, and at the time, back then, <laughs> that's like 20 years ago now, um, they actually did interviews there on site at convention. A lot of people, you know, a lot of schools would do it there mm-hmm. and not just pick up resumes, um, take it home with you, and then fly people out and interview. So I actually... It was kind of like speed dating, where they had a bunch of people, you know, that were looking for people for jobs, and you kind of bounced around at different tables if they were interested in you, and um, I'll never forget uh, my first boss, um, Andy Grossman, he's still at UNLV, um, you know, interviewing with him there in person about the job at, at Vegas, and, um, you know, from there, you know, I, I did some interviews with a couple other schools, but they were the only ones to kind of call me back that, hey, we're interested in you. Can we fly you out to Vegas um, to interview for the job? And uh, I always tell him he had the best recruiting uh, of any school I've ever been to, to to sell me to come to school there, or to work there, I'm sorry, not go to school there, Um, that when he put on my itinerary that we were going to, at the time, ESPN Zone was like a big thing in Vegas. It had just opened (laughs) on the Strip. And they were having their launch party, and we were going to go to that, and I would meet some of our head coaches and, and some other folks that were affiliated with UNLV. I'm like, of course I you know, would come there. You know, if your boss is going to take you to that as, you know, your dinner or, or whatnot. Um, I actually got to meet Tark there. He was there for that event and um, met with the coaches. And uh, it was nice to kind of be in an informal setting to get to know you know everybody before I actually officially interviewed the next day on campus. And so I always tell him that, you know, I don't think a lot of people get those kind of a part of their interview of, of yeah. you know, being in a function like that um, to kind of sell coming there. And, I mean, Vegas is a different place, though. There's always different, like, celebrities all the time um, that are there and, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I've never really been starstruck at all, though. I think, uh, shoot, I forgot his name. There was an actor there at the event, too. And I, and everybody's like, you're not, like, that's so-and-so. I'm like, I don't, you know. I don't really yeah. <laughs> but that's Michael, whatever his name was at the time. He was big back then, and I just can't remember his last name. Uh, but it's never, for me, working in sports, honestly, I don't think I've ever, I don't get starstruck anymore or even with celebrities just because we work alongside our athletes and it, they just want to be, you know, known as regular people. And I always try to treat, you know, people like that is they're just like us. And, and, you know, I don't get that feeling anymore. I guess maybe when I was younger, 
I do, but once you're in the profession, you really, um, I, I guess I don't get excited anymore. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like, I, even if I saw Michael Jordan come, I don't think I, I, I have been in the building with him once, but I don't think I got like, oh, oh my God, it's Michael Jordan, you know? Yeah. Um, because we're ingrained in, in being professional and uh, being in the business that, that's, you know, if we were in the movie profession, it'd probably be the same thing with actors, too. So take us through the next uh, couple of years. You went to, I mean, Kansas State, Texas A&M, those are all, you know, Manhattan and uh, College Station, I, I assume. I've never been there. Vastly different than Las Vegas. So what was what was that all like? Um, I never applied for Kansas State at all, um, and he, he will get upset at me. Um, <laughs> my best friend actually applied for the job at Kansas State, uh, best friend in the business, and um, I knew the boss there because he worked at a Mountain West school. And so my best friend had called me like, hey, can you call Gary and, and see what's going on with the job? <laughs> and uh, I did. Then Gary asked me if I wanted to come interview. And I'm like, you know, I've always thought I'd stay on the West Coast and, and Vegas is great. Um, you know, I don't know if I can live in the state of Kansas. And he's like, well, why don't you just come and take a look-see? And then if you don't feel comfortable and don't want to come out here, you can just let me know. And obviously I must have felt comfortable because I decided to move to Kansas, <laughs> to another small college town uh, from the, you know, the lights of Las Vegas, um, and stayed there for three years, and then, uh, you know, I never thought I'd be at A&M either um, after that, because I was still trying to move back out west, and uh, another opportunity came there where, um, you know, they had reached out to me if I would be interested in the job, and I... I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm trying to move back to the West Coast into a big city. Um, you know, there, it was kind of the same thing. Well, come and interview, and then if you don't feel comfortable or there's not, it's not the right situation, you can just let us know. And then I ended up there for four years. So um, <laughs> I probably, I probably would have never left. Um, you know, A&M and, and Kansas State; those two schools are very special to me. Um, I met a lot of great people there, and they are all still there. So it never. Every time I go back to visit either school, I feel like I never left, and that's always a good mark of a school. Uh, if you ever, you know, work at different schools, to know that whenever you come back, it, it feels like you never left, and that's how, that's how special those places are to me and the people there, um, and truly a family. And uh, you know, I have nothing but high regards for every place I've ever worked especially those two schools. So you still didn't go West. Uh, you're currently at College of Charleston. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so how, how did, I mean, same question as before, how did you get into that slot? It's a long story. And it's just, uh, once again, it's another story of uh, something I never thought I'd apply for. And it just kind of came across and, and um came out to interview, never thought I had a chance at this job at all because uh, the f other places I was at, it, I mean, I was just an assistant. I never aspired to be a head SID at all. Um, and it's not because, I guess, I guess I was just because I loved where I was at at the, at the time for both of those schools that, uh, you know, I, I was comfortable being an assistant because I had great bosses there. And, uh, you know, I never thought I would advance in my career because that wasn't in my mindset because I was fine, you know, in the position I had. And, you know, the College of Charleston job, uh, 
came up and I didn't think I had a chance at all at it. And I still applied and, you know, it worked out seven years later here um, <laughs> that I live in one of the most beautiful cities in the country and I have a great staff, um, you know, great people here as well and coaches and student athletes that um, of all the places I've lived, this is probably the best uh, quality of life outside of the office you could ever ask for a place uh, to live. And uh, you never want to be inside. You always want to be outdoors here. Um, I'm just curious. How do you, I know we've talked about this on past podcasts, how do you explain what you do to, to people that you've met at all these different places? Uh, you know, my parents still don't understand what I do. <laughs> I've been doing it for 20 years. They always tell their friends, oh yeah, she works for ESPN. And I'm like, I do not work for ESPN. But I do work with them when we have games on TV. And, um, you know, it's always hard. I, I always just say, you know, I do PR. I do media relations. I'm a publicist um, for people that aren't kind of in the business. Mm-hmm. To make them understand of what we do, we schedule interviews uh, with our student athletes and coaches, with media outlets. So, you know, in that regard, people kind of understand kind of what you do. But if you just said SID, they don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. What is an SID? And I think a lot of my friends that you know, high school friends that don't know what I do, I think they've kind of gotten it because they always see me tag hashtag SID life. So I think they understand what the SID life is now. Yeah. <laughs> because they see it on my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram of me traveling all over the place. You know, it's crazy, crazy travel schedule. And, um, you know, for them, they always think it's cool, too. You know, oh, you get to travel all these places and mm-hmm. uh, see all these different things. And I would say that is, you know, one of the greatest parts of what we do is, uh, other than working with our student-athletes and coaches, is, I mean, if you love to travel and see different things, like, this is a great thing to be able to do those things. Um, I think I only have five more states left that I haven't checked off. So, um, you know, I'm about to check off another one next year. We just um, it, we just announced that we were going to the Great Alaska Shootout next year for basketball. So that was one of the five states that I've never been to was Alaska. So, um, you know, I've loved that part as well. Uh, being able to see a lot of different things and, uh, you know, probably wouldn't have traded it at all. Uh, I think I, I enjoyed it more, though, when I was younger because now, nowadays I'm older now and <laughs> the travel is a little, it gets, you know, for basketball, especially in the week when we're, like, traveling for five days for two-game series or whatnot in the week. Um, you know, I really sometimes don't know how our student-athletes and coaches are able to do the same schedule when, you know, especially the student-athletes, they have to go to school still when we get back at, like, 3 in the morning and have a 7 a.m. class. Right. You know, I can probably sleep in until about 10 a.m., whatnot, and then come into the office. Um, so I think that's one part that a lot of people don't see, especially now with people watching March Madness right now. I mean, that was that's a rigorous schedule that all those teams are going through right now, that they probably were only home for one day and then turned around and went to the next city. And... uh you just have to be organized and prepared to be able to transition and, and uh, you know, have your life organized <laughs> in many ways. Um, you touched on it a, a little bit earlier. Uh, advancement in your career. Um, is there a chance for SIDs to, you know, do something in college athletics other than being an SID? You know, I truly believe it. Um, you know, I, I think SIDs, we 
we undervalue sometimes of what we have the ability to do. And the one thing great about what we do is we work with everyone in the athletics department. So, you know, you get interaction with every department to learn kind of what they do in their area. And um, I, I feel like it gives you uh, more of a diverse background of knowing all the different parts in an athletics department without having to work in the ticket office or having to work in development. Like you, I think we have an, an understanding because we have to work with each of these groups. I mean, I think sports medicine would be another group in athletics that has to deal with every every department, every team, every you know student athlete. So I think that's why our role is a little different than everybody else because we have that interaction with the majority of everybody that works in an athletic department. And Scott Strickland, who's at the University of Florida, he is somebody you know I look up to. Um, we don't know each other, but I know who he is because I know who he is because he's a former SID. And that's, you know, inspiring to me that to know that, you know, we have an SID that is an athletics director at a Power 5 school. That makes me believe that we can. And um, I hope more SIDs, I guess, follow that path of um, thinking that they can be more than and just and just an SID, we can be administrators, we can move up the ranks. Um, we just have to get you know people to believe in us and that um, we are able to transition in that role. And I, I, I can't find anybody more better suited than an SID because I think we're very well-rounded and a jack-of-all-trades and can handle multitasking uh, more than anybody and meeting deadlines. I mean, I, we're just so much, we have so many skills that I think sometimes we don't believe that they can translate into other other areas. And even, you know, former SIDs that I know that have transitioned into corporate world, I mean, our skills are endless, and I'm, I'm very supportive of fellow SIDs of being able to move up the ladder. What's one thing you wish people would understand about SIDs? Um, that we're more than just uh, fat people. <laughs> Um, yeah, we love stats too, but uh, you know we're more than writers. We're more than um, you know social media people. Um, like I said, that we're, we are definitely truly a jack of all trades. And I would uh, match up anyone against an SID because I I think we have so many different skills that are very diverse that um, can be in, in, implemented in any situation. So I think. Um, I guess we have the tools and, and the balance needed. We have to multitask every day. There's, our job isn't the same every day. It changes every day. And so we have to adapt. And um, I think that's one thing is that it's hard to show somebody what we do on a daily basis because it's never the same. It's different. And um, I think that's why we're very valuable uh, to an athletics department and to a university and college uh, because we are, we can adapt and, you know, we help um, show the window of the university. We are a vital role. And I um, I think that's very important nowadays, too, as schools and universities are trying to build their brand, that we're their best allies to help them get the messages across and what, what the institution and what the athletics department wants to look at, look like 
and be like. Um, I wanted to ask this question. I apologize for not saying it. And before we start interviewing, what's it been like, uh, being a woman going in through the sports industry? Um, and I said this before too, I, I really think, uh, yes, women, we have, um, it is different for us as far as SIDs. I mean, back 20 years ago, you know, there weren't as many women back when I had gotten into this, but now there's just a lot more and that's great to see. Um, but you know, there still are challenges. I think as far as women in general of getting the power five jobs, um, at football schools, I'd love to see more there. Um, there actually were a lot in power five football schools when I was younger. Um, now, I don't know the number now, but I felt like there was more back then and a lot of them have retired now. But um, I think that's the challenge, too, for women right now is, um, you know, seeing more doing football, men's basketball in our profession. Even though we have more women in the field, I'd like to see more um, people giving women chances at those sports and coaches. And um, But I think in general, I, I would say for, you know, I think it's just hard being an SID in general sometimes, not male or female, because there's a lot of challenges as far as, um, I guess, our role within an athletic department, because our role has changed because of social media, that our job has changed, and um, which makes it a little harder now. Um, there's so more moving parts than back, I think, when my bosses were doing this like 30 years ago. The job has evolved so much that... There's a lot more to manage because of the social media aspect that um, I think that's a challenge to every SID in the country. Um, and then I think, you know, for males as well, I mean, um, for advancement, like I want to see more SIDs in general, um, you know, be the head of their office or head of their external department or, you know, an administrator, an SWA, an athletics director. But I really think... Um, you know, we can be a valuable asset to an athletics department if given the chance. I want to change kind of directions here. Um, out of all your years of experience and everything, what has been your favorite memory so far? Or memories, plural? Uh, you know, there's so many. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually put them on victories because, um, you know, uh, I think somebody asked me the other day, wouldn't you want to go with your team to the NCAA tournament? And I'm like, of course I would. I love to go dancing with my team. Um, but I think for me personally, I didn't get into this thinking that I was going to work at a school where, um, you know, we'd win a national title or, um, you know, go to the big dance or whatever. I mean, yes, I'd hope for that someday, but it's, it's never been my like main goal. My main goal is to you know, it brings me happiness just to see my student-athletes succeed, my coaches succeed um, in whatever goals that they have academically, athletically. Um, that's brought me more joy than just the, the wins and the, the championship titles and, you know, postseason play. And um, so that's why I one of them doesn't stick out to me more than the other. Um, and I'm just trying to think of a great memory. I mean, there's been so many... Um, in athletics, you know, we're lucky because we get to do do and work with something that we love. I would hope that anybody in, in athletics loves sports, you know, and um, just to be a part of college athletics and um, 
competition and and uh, working in something. You know, I grew up watching it all the time, and it's it's cool to be part of. I guess something that you watch growing up and hoped you'd be working with or doing in the future. So I guess that's the best part of my career when I look back at it in 20 years of being part of all the teams and programs and schools that I've been with. Um, there have been a lot of great memories, but they weren't just because they were the wins and the losses. It was the wins and the championships that were the most gratifying. I think the biggest thing of being an SID is being part of a team and the teams that you work with and the coaches and the student-athletes. Is there anything that you you had back, you know, at X school or something that you have now that you wish you still had? Like as far as resources? Or? Yeah, yeah, resources. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's um, coming into college in Charleston is the first time I've been at a mid-major school, and I came from two Power 5 schools prior to it. And um, I think the best thing, though, here... You know, we, yes, we don't have the same resources as A&M, but the uh, best thing to hear is, um, you know, you get to know everyone, and, and that's not a, a slight at, at A&M or whatnot. It really is because everybody here is housed in the same building. I get to see every coach, every student athlete, because we're, we're not spread out like we were at my old school where I didn't see the football coaches. I didn't see everybody on a daily basis because um, we're all spread out there, but the nice thing here is that everybody's here, so you get to know every single person, every student athlete, coach, um, and a mid-major. You all work together. Like, I'm not just the SID. You know, I help out when our operations event management staff needs help. We're there to help if they need it. If our marketing and the ticketing office need help. We're there to help them. Um, and they help us when we need to. So that's the great part, I think, here at a mid-major um, you definitely have a lot of teamwork uh, and you're learning different areas um, of helping each other to where it's helped me as an SID and, and you know, hopefully for what I want to do to further my career in, in the future of having knowledge of those different areas because we're such a small school that you have your hands in a lot of different things um, other than just being the SID. And so I think that's been very valuable. Yes, we don't have the resources, but it's expanded uh, my responsibilities and roles here that I never would have gotten had I stayed at my prior school. You know, at my old school, I only had two sports. I I worked with women's basketball and men's tennis were my only sports here. You know, I have five here, but it's not like I'm just doing the five here. I'm also helping when my assistants need help with their sports if there's an overlap. So I think I think it's a great thing because you can expand your role and expand your responsibilities um, more so than what I would have had at my prior schools because I wouldn't have had my um, hands in different things because we had the resources. Like I didn't have to do website stuff because we had a website department. I didn't have to do IT things because we had an IT department. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying is that it's a good thing though too though is that. It's helped me to be more well-rounded and hopefully someday put that into um, another role down in the future. We've talked about this uh, on other podcasts. What's it like um, trying to get publicity for your programs when you have to go up against a Clemson or, or a South Carolina or anybody down in the South? 
Well, you know, it's uh, we know during football season it's going to be Clemson and South Carolina. And um, actually, in our town, in Charleston, we have three Division One schools here. We have the Citadel, Charleston Southern, and ourselves. So, um, and Charleston Southern and the Citadel both have football. So, it's those two football programs. So they they are really good in football at the FCS level here. And um, and then Clemson and South Carolina. So you kind of know in the fall they're not going to have a lot of coverage. Yeah. Um. And, you know, once basketball hits, and that's the difference, too, is we're a basketball-only school. We're not a football school. So we have enough time to build up before basketball season starts, which is our marquee sport. Uh, you know, our baseball program has been really good here at the College of Charleston going to a Super Regional a couple years ago. So, And our volleyball uh, team has been really consistent um, in our conference and going to NCAA. So um, for us, it you know, it hasn't been hard to sell stories pitch um you know our local newspaper and our local tvs cover us a lot it's just really during football season we know that football is king in the state and then if we have you know a great story for soccer and volleyball they'll come out and cover us and um you know like it's i guess it's it's different because we're not a football school so it may be for i don't know who has football Furman. Yeah. Some of the other schools in the state, it'd be harder because they're going up against it during football season with the football team. Where we're just waiting it out till basketball starts, really. And then, you know, the spring sports, uh, we're very strong in here as well. So we're very fortunate that we're covered well by our local folks. And then, you know, we'll get a regional and a, and a national piece every once in a while because we have those kind of student-athletes and, and programs here. So, um you know, and honestly, people want to come to Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually um, got mad at Sports Illustrated because I was hoping they'd come down to do a story on one of our former student-athletes um, that they finally did a cover cover story with them this year. Um, one of our former players transferred to Florida, who's in the Sweet 16. And, um, you know, I talked with the writer, and he was like, oh, no, you know, I was, I was wanting to come to Charleston last year. Uh, but some things that happened, and then that's why he didn't do the story. And, you know, when uh, my player transferred to Florida, they did it this past year. So, I mean, people want to come, like the national writers want to come and make this trip, um, too. Um, but sometimes, I guess it just didn't work out um, for their story angle. But uh, I've never had a, a media member that never wanted to come, <laughs> come and cover us here. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the scouts like to come here as well. Uh I, we see a lot of the NBA scouts come for either our team or the other other team too, because this is one of the cities they want to, um, you know, get their pre-em for and and um, do their scouting, which is great. And uh, you know, I hope for us, our, our basketball program is on the rise and and getting back to our you know the tradition that we have here for the sport. And um, you know, I hope to see those folks more often soon. Um, I have to know, and I gotta ask, how's sailing? Sailing is great. It actually, uh, I it was one of my sports until this, this past year, and I was very intrigued by it when I first uh, came to Charleston. But um, you know, for college sailors, this is probably one of the dream schools for them to attend. Um, you know, I can understand why they would want to come here. I mean, most of the kids on our roster are from Southern California, so that should tell you something too that we're getting the kids that are already living in a nice coastal town to come over here, but it's because our program has a winning tradition of all Americans and national titles in that sport. But, uh, 
you know, I, I still, after seven years, I'm still learning the terminology and how everything works as far as the sports concerned of scoring and maneuvers and, and yeah. the boat names and all these things. And I've been out there with them, you know, at least once a year, I try to get on the water with them, um, to understand it more, but, uh, it's a great sport. And, um, you know, I wish, uh, more teams would add it for their program. And, uh, I'm just glad ours is, you know, pretty good one. Um, we usually rank in the top three in the country. And, uh, you know, those kids are, are very tremendous athletes. It takes a lot of strength to do kind of some of the things they do out there on the water. And, you know, it's not, there, there, there is some skill and tactic to it mm-hmm. that a lot of people probably think, oh, you're just like driving a boat or whatever. I mean, really, it's, it's kind of, if you ever see them do a, um, like, I guess a flip, which they call a tack, um, that, that's pretty tough. Like, I don't know how you, in a two-person boat, put the boat over kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun sport. And I, like I said, I love, I only get one chance a year probably to go out on the water with them, uh, take some photos. And um, We're actually going to host the national championships this year in May. Um, we weren't supposed to host, but the other venue that was supposed to host this year could not. So uh, we're going to be hosting that for about, it's a two and a half, three week event because they have three national championships. Mm-hmm in a row and so um we're going to be a part of that this year and um we obviously host a lot of things here in charleston in different sports um we talked about your favorite memories uh, and looking back what about uh something that stuck out in a bad way like a horror story Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know unfortunately i've had some crisis management issues that i've had to deal with more so here, but that's probably because, uh, you know, now that I'm the director, I'm responsible, and now I have a better understanding, I guess, of my former bosses, kind of, of when they had um, had to deal with, you know, crisis management situations, and, um, you know, you don't hope for them at all, um, you know, and that's, that's the thing, there, there's always going to be probably something, and um, kind of just staying positive through it all, and, um, you know, in the end, for me, is you know, all I care about is what's best for the student athletes, and it's all about them. That's kind of why we're all here. And anytime we've had situations um, that ever have come about here, um, I guess in the end, if of the things that we might have gone through, in the end, it's it's nice to see um, you know our kids smiling and being happy and being being here and, and what they're trying to do. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to probably go into it more. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, college athletics, you know, you see all the headlines at different schools of things that have happened, and I, I truly feel for every school that ever goes through situations like that, that, um, you know, luckily for us, we haven't had too many, and it, they haven't been blown up as they have it, like Baylor or whatnot at those schools, but I, I truly always feel for the SIDs um, when I see those kind of things happen. Because um, I know it's stressful, and um, you know, but those things are going to happen sometimes. But you know, in college, actually, my uh, boss he uh, taught a media relations class. I actually took that with Ryan Leaf and some of the other football players. Really? <laughs> but I guess it didn't help him. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, my boss, you know, he always ta- you know talked about um, being proactive and being out in front of a story and. 
and I always thank him for learning that early on of uh, being proactive more than reactive um, in anything that I've, you know, come across in my career. And, um, yeah, it's just, I guess it's the landscape right now. There's, um, there's so much going on, but, yeah, I mean, those things will happen as having difficult situations and just handling, if you can, you know, in a professional manner and always in the best interest of your university and college. Um, when you see other SIDs in your, in your conference division or, heck, even the country, and you look at them, you say, that's a good SID. What, what are some characteristics or what are some things that they do? I think the biggest thing for me, I learned from, old school SIDs, because <laughs> I've been doing this 30, 30 something years in the business. They're all Hall of Famers in our Hall of Fame, and uh, I think the biggest thing I learned from them to kind of continue doing nowadays is sometimes I forget, uh, I think we forget of just, um, I think people think our, our role is very split, and I like to take care of our media. That's always been important to me, and I know I serve our university and our coaches and student athletes, but I also feel like I serve you know, the media, and I want my, my guys and myself, you know, to give the best hospitality we can and getting them everything they need, um, you know, to write a story about us or coming to a game and, um, you know, showing the hospitality of being welcomed here. And even though, you know, our beat writer might write a bad story, you know, I mean, that's what it's going to happen. That's his job, you know, and mm-hmm. I never hold grudges against the writers or a columnist or media folks because I know they're doing their job. And I think, Having a media background, just because I had a newspaper background, even in high school I did too, um, that I always could see both sides and understand both of them, too, of how they operate and how we operate. And um, I think that's the best thing, I, I think, with with a successful SID is being able to manage both of those relationships between, you know, serving the media and then serving your student-athletes, coaches, your athletics director, your program. And... Um, and have a perfect balance with it. And, and um, I actually miss, um, in my old conference, not a lot of people travel anymore because of budget cuts as far as the other SIDs for other schools. Uh-huh. So I don't get to see them a lot. You know, men's basketball I do, but not for some of the other sports because not a lot of people travel anymore. But I do miss, you know, the hospitality of hosting somebody here, uh, you know, going out, you know, having dinner the night before a game and, 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 and really bonding with each other. And, um, you know, I think that's the thing, a mark of a great SID as well is, um, you know, hosting your opponent and um, getting them anything they may need on the road. And I actually worked with a lot of great colleagues in the Colonial um, Conference, and uh, we have a great group of SIDs that I know that I could count on any of them if I, I needed help. I actually had to rely on some of them this year. Um, I had to take... Um, leave in February during basketball season and we were on the road and and those two SIDs really helped me out while I was gone um, helping get my coach to the media room and things like that without me being there so I think that's the best part too is an SID that's you know willing to help it you know any need that you may have and and I think for the most part a profession is like that though an SID would do anything for another SID um, if they need their help and uh uh, that's why I think our profession is really good about, um, you know, the people that are in this are really good people. And uh, I guess that's what I would say. Um, other than the, the, you know, pitching stories and, mm-hmm. and getting the stats right and 
I, but I think the hospitality part is like one of the biggest things about it because you have to keep those relationships. Like you have to have a good relationship with all those entities, and I think people admire those. You know, I I can think of the ones right now like uh, that are the best that I know of that I, you know, we've traveled to and um, that stick stand in my mind and know my coaches are in awe of them as well because they stood out in their mind as well because of you know how professional they were but also um you know how they greeted us and you know they were prepared and willing to do anything to help us uh i have a couple more questions that i won't take up too much of your time so what's um one thing you're more interested about to learn more about in this uh profession um i I think for me right now is the social media aspect. Um, I would love to kind of, my, my goal this year was to take my staff up to Clemson because I think they're just killing it up there mm-hmm. with social media and uh, haven't gotten that far yet of reaching out to them of taking a little road trip you know, up to Clemson. It's not that far for us. Um, so I would love to learn more about the social media aspect as far as implementation and, and creative and you know, we don't have our own social media department like they do up there. So um, how can we take some of those ideas from them and try to do it at our scale and, uh, you know, kind of maybe look like them? <laughs> I know everybody can look like them and do what they can do. Uh-huh. But uh, if we can take a little piece from it. So I think that's where in, 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 in my guys that are working for me here and myself, I would love for us to learn and grow on the social media part of um, – making us better at that area because that's kind of where I see our job evolving more is not just, you know, we're not going to be doing these press releases anymore or whatnot. We need to focus on the social media aspect and the creative. So what would be one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. But (laughs) (laughs) I always tell the students that come in to me here, I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) <laughs> what I always say, and I never want to discourage anybody uh-huh. coming into this, but, um, you know, I, I don't think I've had a student, well, I've had a student stay for four years, but, you know, I haven't had one that stayed, you know, the course to get into this after. And, um, you know, for me, that's how it started out for me. I started as a student, so if you're really passionate and you really want to do this, you know, I'd wherever university or college that you're at, you know, go talk to the SID office and see if they'll let you come on and um, handle a sport. And, like, I, my boss gave me baseball my first semester, and I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm like, I don't think so. I, you know, I don't know, because he was doing football and baseball at the time, and he was trying to get, not get rid of, but kind of transition out of baseball. So, I mean, it wasn't like I was by myself out there, but he started me off, you know, doing that with him, and the plan was to let me have it, you know, for the next three years after by myself, and um, it didn't end up that way. Um, I ended up uh, changing sports and doing three other sports instead, Um, but yeah, I definitely think if you you want to do this, uh, talk to them early, uh, that's kind of really what helped me get a job out of college was that I had already done it really for three and a half, four years time as a student we they're actually at Washington State we did our own sports without any supervision but I mean they were smaller sports too but I mean you know we did it all on our own we weren't uh, just secondary to our bosses doing it there um, and they needed our help as well for the smaller sports there 
Um, so I think that's, that's what gives you a leg up sometimes when you're looking for a full-time job outside of college. Like, one of my, uh, you know, student, student assistants that, you know, was the same year with me, he got a full-time job right out of college. Like, he didn't have to go do a one-year internship like I did. And so I think that's always a positive. If you can get it early, um, do it early. And if you can't, um, you know, volunteer at different events to learn, I guess, what we do and um, meet different people, network. And, I, I, I mean, I I took a two-week spring break in college my senior year. Uh, I almost didn't graduate. And then I actually had to start one month later at UConn because I was supposed to be there in June, but I didn't graduate until July. Uh-huh. So I got there in July instead, and they were fine with that. But, um but I took a two-week spring break to work NCAA tournaments across the country, and um, you know, almost failed my media law class. <laughs> but I took it in the summer as an independent study to finish that credit out. But um, but I wouldn't trade that in the world because that opportunity got me to like meet different people at the schools that you know that I was at. You know, I met SIDs. I met uh, people hosting the event. Um, that those things were more valuable to me, I think, of getting a job after college. Um, and that's a bad thing to say instead of my class, my media law class. Um, but, yeah, I think anytime you can get early experience, it's going to help you. Um, it also is going to help you to know if you want to do this. At least you learn it early on if you don't want to do it, instead of, le- like, later on in your college career, your senior year, when you're trying to look for jobs, and then, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. why I've had actually students come to me their junior or senior year, hey, I want to come work in your office. I'm like, God, I don't know if it's going to benefit you because it's so late in the year that it might not be what you really want to do. Uh-huh. We can't teach you fast enough to get you to where you need to be. Um, if you had come, you know, as a sophomore or freshman, it would have been better than your junior or senior year. So what's your work-life balance? I mean, what do you do to have fun? Unfortunately, I watch sports on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to watch as much sports in the off season, uh, but right now I can't help myself watching all the basketball. You know, even women's basketball. The other night, I watched some of the tournament games, and um, you know, it's hard kind of to disconnect from sports on TV. Really, the only time I don't is probably during basketball season. I don't have time really to watch other basketball games. But uh, right now, you know, obviously it's a great time. Um, to hang out and, uh, you know, watch watch some of the games on TV. And then the Masters are coming up as well. So that's always a good time. Um, I enjoy I've never, I still haven't made it to Augusta, even though it's like five hours from here. Um, but hopefully someday get to go to a practice round or uh, a championship round there. But, uh, but yeah, Charleston, it, like I said, it's um, a place where you can have a nice quality of life. Uh, if we don't have football, I usually go out to the beach in the fall <laughs> <laughs> because the beach is still it's still nice to go out there till probably October here or September. So usually, since we don't have um, home football or football weekends, I'm usually hanging out at the beach, watching or listening to different football games on the beach. Yeah, it sounds like a fun time. Well, how that's about kind of like um, everything here? You just want to be outdoors. So I guess that's kind of my hobbies outside of work is, um, you know, I probably tend to run more. I've never run as much in my life, probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just want to be outside and, and there's a 
nice bridge here to uh, run across. And um, yeah, there's just so much to do. I love to eat as well. This is a great town for any foodie that wants to try different things. Um, it's also a place to eat any kind of food you want. Yeah. Um, so I do that in the off season. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I try, if I can, I try to do non-sports things, but that doesn't tend to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit. So the next time somebody is in Charleston, um, what is your, your restaurant or, or and or bar recommendation? Well, I mean, I got a list. And actually, Miles Simon came to do our ESPN tournament this year, and I gave him a list of, like, ten places. And I got to ask him, like, how many he ended up um, checking off that list. But uh, <laughs> they're usually the same five or ten places, um, depending if it's breakfast or lunch or dinner. And um, so I have five. And I'm actually biased to one because it is my main spot. And But I think the food's great and the people are great. And um, Chef there is actually a Kansas fan. So that's why he and I get along because he loves sports and it's from Kansas. And and uh, we talk about basketball all the time. But um, uh, Muse Wine Bar and Restaurant, which is right like a block from school, it's my go-to place. It's kind of a Mediterranean Italian like cuisine place. And um, so that's number one. And then number two, it's uh, Hank's Seafood. It's where I always tell all the ESPN folks um, to go to. It's probably the best seafood, I think, um, here in town, and it's close by to school. Um, number three, it's Crew Cafe, and it's close to school as well. Everything's <laughs> right in the middle of everything. And it's a great place for, like, low-country food um, to the region and area, and it's in a small little Charleston house which is cool, and I've actually, the A&M softball team came to play us like three years ago, and I took, you know, the staff and whatnot there, and we had a little room upstairs at this uh, crew cafe, and, and they enjoyed it. Um, so that's another go-to, and uh, four and five, I'm trying to think what I'm going to choose between the fourth and fifth, but everyone here loves a place called Stig. It means uh, food is good, <laughs> and uh, it's just down the street from the arena. And the fifth, I would probably choose, um, they'll probably get mad at me if I don't, but um, <laughs> uh, Hall's Chop House, it's uh, the steakhouse in town, and uh, many, you know, many fans, and and uh, they're actually boosters of our program as well, uh, the, fam- the Hall family that owns it, and uh, Coach uh, John Calipari always comes to it every summer while he's speaking out here, so a lot of the movers and the shakers uh, go to that steakhouse. Mm. Well, there you go. Top five places in Charleston. How about uh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, I mean, all my information is like public. <laughs> <They> go, <laughs> uh, like, look me up. I think I have my cell phone, my uh, email, uh, my Twitter. So I can be, uh, you know, anybody can communicate with me, um, you know, through Twitter. My cell phone's listed, uh, email. I'm usually responsive. I don't honestly for me it's a pet peeve I don't like having a full inbox uh-huh. I try to respond to every every person that ever emails me um, at least that I saw it and then I would get back to them so mm-hmm. I mean anybody can reach me in those ways and um, our college of Charleston staff directory is up too and uh, I don't think it has my cell number but my game notes do so if you look up my game notes <laughs> the phone number is there um, as well so um I'm usually responsive to most every form of communication. And fortunately for us, uh, as communicators, uh, we use all those tools. 
Marlene, that was episode 19. How was it? It wasn't too bad, was it? No, it was great. Awesome. I, be, I, I enjoyed being on, and uh, you know, I appreciate you doing these uh, podcasts with SIDs around the country. Uh, I really think uh, you know we need to better promote each other as colleagues, and um, you know, get get the word out about what we're doing in our business and profession to help each other because um, there are a lot of great SIDs around the country, and. I wish more get, would get recognition for what they do. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Trying to do, at least. Well, everybody, that was episode 19 with Marlene DeVore of College of Charleston. And you've got five places to go. you got to spend, what, two, three days, five days down in Charleston? Hit all those places. Um, five days, probably. <laughs> yep, five days. Nice little vacation there. Um, again, thank you all for listening to this episode and subscribing and downloading and uh, reiterating a little bit from before. Uh, review if you've got the time. Five star, one star. Just let me know what you think of it. Uh, and again, you can always follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, uh, backslash Sports Infocast. And you also got my email, uh, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. You can tell me that you love it, you hate it. I really don't care. I'd just like to hear from you guys. So thank you all for listening. I hope to catch you all in the next episode.